0: Hey, faith family, welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Pastor Randy. It's
1: Beyond Sunday.
0: It is Beyond Sunday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. And for those school students out there, they've got President's Day weekend, so a lot of them have off on Friday. Really? Yeah. Do you have off on Friday? Of course you do half a day, <laughs> no, half you, a day. You only work Is that half of your, you only oh, work one day. A week. I see where it's your, I see where you're headed on, with that. Yeah, he doesn't work on Very Friday. Funny um, half a day on Fridays, half a day, Fridays for um, as long as I've done this. Good. So guess what? You don't have a I joke, don't yes! have a joke. Thank you. and it's Valentine's day. That's so so great. here we Showing are a little love. We're sitting at a nice little love, brotherly kindness, brotherly. No, kindness. Kindness. no joke, no joke today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Anna. Maddie,
0: Maddie, thank Maddie's you. Maddie. Sorry, dealer. thank you,
1: Maddie. <laughs> but make sure you thank Maddie.
0: I will uh, let her know. Actually, she'll she'll probably come up with one for you though next time. Just get her joke book out, um, and we'll all be better for it. Yes, we want to be happy people. We do. Okay, um, let's get into the Psalms. Um, Psalm sixty-eight.
1: So you want to start.
0: Yeah, I'd okay. like to start in Psalm sixty-eight. Right. I told him why he's surprised by this is. Uh, We had some questions that, while the podcast was on a hiatus, a couple of questions, you know, racked up in there. And so I'd like to kind of, we can, get back to some of those and sift through them. So if possible, today, I'd like to get to one of them. And I think it ties in a little bit, um, you know, can make anything fit. I guess so. (laughs) So here we go. Psalm 68, we'll start there. Um, Can you give me... Here yeah, we'll throw this at you—a curveball. Can you give me what's it look like to live Psalm sixty-eight out in a nutshell beyond Sunday?
1: Yeah, I think it's the opportunity to get up in the morning and know that the unseen spiritual forces that are going to attack my soul. Mm-hmm that ancient warfare between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So I'm Mm -hmm. in that fight. So in the morning to be able to wake up in confidence, knowing first of all, one day God is going to get up from his chair, his his ruling place, and the enemies are going to be scattered. So to have the confidence that God is going to banish all of his enemies, our enemies, uh, is a starting point. It just provides hope. And I think I, would, mm-hmm. I said it a couple of times. I hope that this text does add a strong dose of hope to our faith. So when I look forward and see the victory that's going to occur, there's a lot of hope in that. Uh, but, the, but the other part of this, too, is uh, so all of that discussion of, you know, this is what God is going to do in the middle of the psalm. Actually, not true because I remember this song was long. It so was not long in the middle of it. Uh, so around verse fi- around verse five, let's say, is um, a statement like this that God is the father of the fatherless and protector of widows. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 6, he settles the the solitary, which is ESV's rendering of a word that it's probably, this is a person that's lonely or has been deserted. So they're all on their own. They have no place, but God settles them in a home.
0: Gives them a home. And
1: and then he leads out the prisoners. And here the ESV is reading prosperity. Uh, You could also read that happiness. So you've got a group of people, fatherless, widows, uh, neglected, uh, and then prisoners. So you got four groups of people, mm-hmm. and God is the father of those. The I, I think I use the term the bodyguard of those. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I'm going to do with this text is not only am I going to give uh, give myself a dose of hope for the future that the victory is won, I'm just looking for other places where that could be true. Um, I I know for sure that right now I am one of those four needy people. So I place myself in one of those four categories, or I just put myself in all of those categories and mm-hmm. say, they're all images of the most needy people in the ancient world. And I am one of those, which means God is going to be my father. He's going to be my bodyguard, my protector, my uh, supplier. And there's there's great, not, not hope in that, there's great confidence in my day mm-hmm. that despite the fight that that we're in. Uh, God is going to be a heavenly father to me that's going to get me through this. It's going to be a fight, but at least it's one that I can win because of his presence. So something like that would be a good way to do it.
0: Is this a turning point in the mm-hmm. in the Psalms where we've been in a number of these Psalms where it's God is my refuge, he is almost, my fortress. We're and... almost
1: at a turning point.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: so if you look ahead, and I forget how many you have to go, maybe a couple of more. You'll see, uh, let me just scroll quickly. To um,
0: Because this one was not as much l- running to God as a refuge, a fortress, the uh, under his wings kind of imagery, but it was the hope-filled. Um, we are the needy, like you just mm-hmm. referenced in verse 5, but we have a God who is going to scatter our enemies and will be the victor.
1: Yeah. So uh, you have to get to the end of Psalm 72. So we're at 68, Lord willing coming up 69. Again, another large, uh, large Psalm. Uh, When you get to the end of 72, I believe that that's, uh, I think book two is finished. I think that, what are there, five? Five. five? Mm -hmm. So I think book two finishes at the end of 72. And then you read verse 20, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended. So I'm going to take that as a pretty strong clue that There's a break coming. And then right after that, we begin with a Psalm of Asaph. Mm -hmm. So for what it's worth, yeah, we are nearing a break.
0: Gotcha. Um, Yeah. And so as I was listening again, we weren't there on Sunday uh, because of the retreat, Mm -hmm. but did get a chance to listen to the sermon and came away with one uh, pretty clearly feeling like, yeah, we have a lot to praise God for. Um, and mm-hmm. throughout that psalm, yeah. it's ascribe him power, sing to, you know, sing yeah. of him, um, give him the praise. Uh, so yeah. there's those things to praise God for. Yeah. Um, but at some point I should have made a note as I was listening because I felt like there's this there's obviously there's a spiritual battle going on and God's uh, God will be victorious, mm-hmm. which implies that on the other side his enemies are going to be trampled. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget where it was. It was towards the beginning, but I felt um, I need I need to be bringing people over to God's side. Uh, an evangelism kind of, um, yeah, drive or mm-hmm. thought popped in my mind because I, I, we don't want those in our lives to be scattered. We don't. It's a great um, point.
1: And I totally didn't touch that at all. No. Where it comes up in the psalm is the fact that you have the, um, once again, other kings and rulers from other places outside of Israel coming. So verse 31, nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth. So this is supposed to be worldwide. So you're exactly right. We could do with this psalm like we did with the previous one where we said there is a global emphasis Mm -hmm. and that involves our evangelistic effort, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, good thought.
0: Um, Yeah. So one question I do have here for you, and this is where you landed the sermon. We didn't land it, but one of the main points, the service we offer, verse Mm -hmm. 18, Uh uh, which then Paul quotes in Ephesians 4. Mm -hmm. So here's... Here's a, a New Testament text mm-hmm. quoting an Old Testament text. My question's kind of wanting to get at: Can you help me help us read the Psalms better? And why why is this talking about spiritual gifts? how How do I see that? Mm-hmm. Um, is, or is it something where you just you really need to dive in to see it? Um, and then also, second part of that is. Sure. In 18, it looks like he is receiving gifts, Mm -hmm. and in Ephesians, he's giving gifts. Mm -hmm. So what's going on there?
1: Yeah, so a couple of of angles on it. The first one is, if if you happen to be one of the next level people, remember that reading the Psalms means reading it in the context of the whole canon. Mm -hmm. And that was our first uh, sort of, you know, read the Bible as a storybook, so we take the whole what we call the canonical context, the context of all 66 books, to help read the psalm. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's one of those places, and the psalms are quoted a lot. Yeah. So it's one of the many places where other writers pick up on the language of the psalm. And so if you're reading Psalm 68 and you get to verse 18, you're not going to know. I mean, you have no idea. hmm What anyone else is going to do unless you're very familiar with the scriptures or if you've got a good Bible, a good study Bible, maybe that will say to you in a note, Hey, verse 18 is quoted somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So first of all, and I was just reading a book this past week that said, uh, I think he quoted from someone else that said, you have to know the Bible. So you have to know it all in order to interpret some of it. Well, that's an extreme, that's extreme. Mm -hmm. But there is a certain, uh, there's certain validity to that. Yeah. So you're reading Psalm uh, 68 on Mm -hmm. your screen there, Psalm 68, 18, and uh, maybe either you know Ephesians well, or your study Bible tells you. And when that happens, now all we're doing is we're asking the question, okay, what did another author do with that text? Yeah. Because under the inspiration of God, I do have to say that Paul... Mm-hmm. under the inspiration of God, wrote to the, uh, the church in Ephesus, that ancient church, and said to that church, here's the way I am going to read Psalm 68, 18. Mm-hmm. Now, he changes it. Yeah. And I have read, listen, uh, I've read volumes <laughs> on what he did. Okay. So, you know, there's people that are going to defend this and say, well, no, Paul was doing exactly what the Psalm was doing. That's not my way of reading that. Uh, That's a stretch. What I'm going to say to you is what I said on Sunday, that Paul reads Psalm uh, Psalm 68, 18 in a way that applies to the church differently than it did in its setting in the Psalms. And one of the reasons why it reads differently, it, uh, it functions differently, is because of the switch that you alluded to. Mm -hmm. So here, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts from men. That's the victor. Remember, God ascending the mountain as the victor over all the other enemies. And so he gets all the spoils, receiving the gifts Mm -hmm. as a result of winning the war. Mm -hmm. Now, in Ephesians, Paul says, and this is where there's similarities. Paul says, now the victor who Mm -hmm. ascended Mm -hmm. and also descended now he gives gifts well well he can give them because he received them so there's a there is a logic to the usage but it is a switch of the language yeah so paul now applies verse 18 to the church and says don't forget that this this lord that you worship this lord that is your protector your king your savior he has given you and i tried to use the language which i learned um, that you have received the spoils of war, your spiritual gift mm-hmm. is actually a spoil of war, and so uh, obviously we take that, we treasure that, and that means using it. I don't know if I answered all your question, but that was a—that's how we read it.
0: Yeah, Paul no.
1: applied that text to the church mm-hmm. with respect to spiritual gifts.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it did. Um, I think maybe the only piece it didn't touch on was is. Other Psalms that aren't quoted like that, how do we read those texts? Okay, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So
1: our next level people should be able to Uh chime in. They should. They should be able to chime in and say, oh, even though it's not quoted somewhere else, Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to read the Psalms in such a way that they are read through the Christ event so that they function for the Christian. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we would read them. So we're always looking for... Uh, and I will give you a sneak preview because I know you'll you'll sleep better uh, for this coming Sunday, right? I will. I will. So the very next Psalm, mm-hmm. there are two quotations from that Psalm. Uh, so Psalm sixty nine, two quotations are coming up. Uh, Jesus uses one of them mm-hmm. to explain, uh, or, or the Gospels use one of them to explain Jesus' actions, and then Jesus, I believe, will quote one himself on the cross. So there are two coming up yeah. where it's sort of the same thing. But regardless of whether it's quoted elsewhere,
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: still looking, as we do at the end of every sermon, mm-hmm. the power of the gospel means that there's something there's something about Christ crucified for us and our faith in him that allows a psalm, a prayer, or a praise actually to function with all of its promises, with all of its hope, mm-hmm.
0: and so forth. Yeah. So the snippet that I think will stick with me there is... Mm-hmm. When we're reading the, the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, mm-hmm. we're reading them through the lens of the cross.
1: Asking the question, what is it about Christ crucified that allows the promises of salvation or the threat of judgment to function for the church? The promises of salvation, they become ours through Christ. The, the threat of judgment, judgment is averted Through Christ, sort of two very general reading strategies that we covered this past month.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good. I know that was quick, but... No, it was helpful. Um, All right. Moving on to a text back in Matthew chapter 8. All right. Um, Yeah, I really don't know how I'm going to connect this. You don't have to. (laughs) So, a question came in about healing. Mm -hmm. Um, He will heal our diseases. Mm-hmm. right Matthew chapter 8 mm-hmm. verse
1: 17 I think yep is the is the Isaiah quote
0: Yep this what was we? to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah he took our illness and bore our diseases So this is after uh, Jesus heals Peter's mm-hmm. mother-in-law Mother-in-law Um so how do we how do we process He must have had a great relationship with his mother-in-law Yeah do you experience that Yes Daisy is listening Yes she, might. she can she might Um she would appreciate my jokes, I bet. I bet she would not. She has a better sense of humor than you. She does. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> I love her. All right. So Jesus heals a lot in the gospels. How do we in the new not the New Testament. Well, yeah, the New Testament age, I guess, mm-hmm. the church age. Mm-hmm. We're in a day where we don't see miracles like they saw. Mm-hmm. At least here we don't see right. them. Mm-hmm. Um, God doesn't always heal when we ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so how should we think about that? Not be discouraged Mm -hmm. when he doesn't answer our prayers for healing, healing. I'll stop there. So I'll start
1: with that. And the ending point, we're not discouraged because we know that physical healing is not our ultimate salvation. So I'm not, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put my, I, let me put it this way. I'm going to fight hard so that I don't worship my health my physical health in this world. Um, Physical health is not my God. Salvation is complete in the future with a redeemed body. That's my ultimate hope. Mm -hmm. So as much as I would love to get rid of a couple of things in my world, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, So I can live with it literally, and I can even die with it because it's not going to matter. So I think I would start with that and say, any of us that are fighting some type of illness and you wish you could get healing, remember that our redemption is complete in the future. And that's where our ultimate salvation lies. It's never, it's never in this life. And so as much as I would love a carefree, physically healthy frame, uh, at my age and stage of life, um. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's why I would start But okay. there's a tougher issue though yeah but I hope you heard that L- listen to me carefully right I hope you hear that uh, you and I are not placing all of our hope in our physical help so mm-hmm. whether we're healed or not makes no difference to what God is doing in our lives yeah the the, the the most I think the most important text on that is that while the outer person is wasting away the inner, person is being renewed day by day. Paul quotes that. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's where our, that's our ultimate salvation. Our outer bodies are dying. They're decaying rapidly, regularly, but our inner person is being renewed and that's the salvation that we cling to. Now, the di- more difficult thing is to, to think about healing in general. Mm-hmm. So I received a note not that long ago from someone who uh, certainly uh, is more of the charismatic uh, end of things, and would uh, put uh, emphasis on all the miraculous gifts occurring. Mm -hmm. So I understand that our take on that is we read them and say something like this, right? That these spiritual gifts, the the miraculous gifts do exist. But what we don't see is we don't see a person gifted with healing who can heal on demand. Mm -hmm. We don't see that like the apostles could. The apostles could do that when Jesus sends them out. They go out and they actually, they heal mm-hmm. just like Jesus did. We're not seeing that in the church right now. We don't see it in our church. We don't see it in the surrounding churches. And if you've ever visited a charismatic church, you'll note that the healing that occurs there is different from what was done in the scriptures. So, so here's what has happened is to the best that I can read the scriptures. First of all, it appears like that the healing that was being done by Jesus according to this quote in Isaiah this is uh, this is Jesus fulfilling a prophecy so Jesus comes along the scene and authenticates his authenticates his person and his position and his power through the miracles so he lands on the scene he heals all these people and they know that okay this except for the Pharisees they say he's got a demon that, that's how far, that's to what length they go to dismiss him. Mm-hmm. But everybody else see this, sees this and says, wow, this is exactly what was said. Jesus passes that power on to his finest. They go out and do the same thing. And then when you get to the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, or even pre-Paul in Acts, but when you get to Paul, Peter and Paul, let's say in Acts, what you have is you have more evangelistic church planting happening with Accompanying Signs and Miracles, and Paul calls them, I believe in 2 Corinthians, the signs of an apostle. Mm -hmm. So I read that to say that what was happening with the miraculous gifts was the the apostles were showing signs of their authentication, Mm -hmm. their linkage, direct link to Jesus. And evidently in the sovereignty of God, those signs were necessary as the churches are growing which might be the reason why in other countries and in other cultures, we still hear of a lot of miracles Mm -hmm. and dreams and so forth. It's very possible that when a new work of God starts in the world, at times God, you know, I'm I'm sure this is not right because he's eternal. God reverts back to ancient first century tactics. Mm -hmm. Now, I know what I said is not accurate, but it's my way of thinking through There's pockets of places where it seems like miracles occur.
0: Yeah. Can I tell you a story of one? Please. I was just talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago over in the Middle East, and this guy was in some kind of an extreme extremist religion and was a part of a plan to, you know, kill people. Yeah. Uh, Has a dream, right? Has a dream uh, of Jesus and he converts to Christianity. How do you explain that? He comes to his wife after working up the courage, who's also, like, of that previous mindset and explains that to her, she begins to plot a murder to kill him. Wow. And in the process, she has a dream, and she comes to Christ. Now they're planning churches. Yeah. So
1: I don't know what you do with that.
0: Yeah, but I actually, that answers... I I know what I don't do with that.
1: (laughs) I don't dismiss that and say, well, that didn't happen, or, well, that was of the devil, or... Well, you know that was bad pizza. I don't. They don't yeah. eat that over there. Probably. But.
0: I I respond by taking naps. That's an that's open amazing. For a that's dreamer. amazing. Yeah, that's, it is. it is really crazy. It is incredible. But that answers part of the question, which gets to here, and I don't even know if I got it this far. But why don't we see as many miracles today? And you're saying, for the establishment of the church, there seemed to be this connection between signs and wonders to establish the church, authenticate the apostle, yeah. authority, apostolic authority. Yeah. And get the church going, and that yeah. still is happening.
1: Yeah, and there was—I mean—and I, mean, and I, and I want to be fair to the other side. There was a standard party line where a charismatic would say, "The reason why you don't see it at Calvary Bible Church is because you don't believe." In other yeah. words, if you had more—if we had more faith, we'd see more miracles. That's—that's—that's that's, that's one side. That's mm-hmm. not the way I see it. I see it as we are so far removed from an early church being established that. Evidently, God says, "I don't, I don't need miracles. I don't need a faith healer, for instance, to, to get the job done anymore." Well, no. I think, and I'll just honestly, this is a good place to say this. I think what He's saying right now is to us. I just need you guys to be faithful to My Word, mm-hmm. and which does include all the gifts. Mm-hmm. So I have no trouble saying that healings occur. I just have yet to find anywhere in the world where you can see a person, man or woman, with the gift to heal. And if we had it, we would know it, especially in a day like today when everybody knows everything about everyone because of social media. Right. We would know.
0: Yeah. And to close this out, the last part of the question was, don't you think if there were more healings, more people would believe?
1: No, I don't. No. And the reason why I don't is because of what happened in Jesus' day. Right. So there's so much in scripture that says, okay, even if, you know, what was that one thing that Jesus, that, that one, Lazarus. you know, if somebody would come back from yeah. the dead, yeah. I mean, surely we, they would listen then and no, they wouldn't. Yeah, let some me go less.
0: back so I can tell my brothers if they saw. He said words. it wouldn't work.
1: I mean, that's Jesus' yeah. own words. That's not my doubt. That's Jesus saying, no, miracles aren't enough. Sovereign grace election to use a strong term that's what's necessary is the eyes of a person to be open otherwise the pharisees see the miracles in the presence of jesus and attribute it to being a demon
0: yeah he's demon possessed and isn't it in his hometown or up in galilee where he says i'm not doing any more miracles up there they've seen them already We're so we're done
1: and that was a faith issue there's no doubt so I, i i don't want to be unkind to the charismatics there's a verse I would use if I were if I was them.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: couldn't do any fa- I couldn't do any miracles there because they wouldn't believe.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: it's not like they don't have script. We all have scripture.
0: Yeah, good. I have no idea how long this episode's been. Do you?
1: I don't. I I I guarantee you one thing. Do you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> no. It's shorter than what communion was <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> That's a joke.
0: That was funny. That was a joke. That was funny. Look I look hope Bill doesn't
1: listen to this. <laughs> I hope Bill doesn't hear that. Okay. Bless I doubt his it. heart. Yeah. I love him dearly, especially on Valentine's.
0: Hey, I was reading about I was telling you I was reading about um Thomas Boston. Yeah. Talking about they didn't so Scottish, the church the Scottish in, preacher. Yeah, the church back in Scotland. They didn't celebrate communion every week or every month. They would celebrate like uh like have a I forget what they called it, like a sacramental festival. Oh, wow. And they would make a big deal of it and they wouldn't do it often. But when they did it, they made How long it, they, did like, it last? I don't know, a day, a week. The Bill Patton would have been perfect for that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been perfect. I'm not taking shots, Bill. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway. I already
1: gave Bill, I already gave Bill <laughs> a great compliment from my mom. So he knows he did a great job. Yeah.
0: It is a special time. Um, yeah. Tough for those little tykes, but yeah. for everyone else, yeah, buckle up. All right, Um, that'll wrap us up. That's it. You already gave us a preview of next week, Psalm 69. Um, So let me just remind you, if you have any questions about the podcast, you can email them in. I actually encourage you to. The more questions I get, the less work I have to do ahead of time. Save me time, so send those in. Um, We love chatting through and just diving into the the text one more time before we keep moving forward. So uh, I appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.